This is Schooled in AI, a search CIO podcast about artificial intelligence and academia. In this series, professors at Carnegie Mellon University's School of Computer Science talk about the cutting-edge AI technology they're working on and how CIOs can prepare for the future of AI in the enterprise. I'm Nicole Laskowski. This is Schooled in AI. So one of the bigger questions CIOs are facing when it comes to artificial intelligence may have less to do with the adoption of AI and more to do with protection against it. I mean, it makes sense, right? If AI is poised to affect every facet of enterprise computing, why would security be any different? So I don't know if you saw this, but just a few months ago, a string of articles were published that declared the AI cyber attack as eminent. These are cyber attacks that are that are loosely defined as being powered by or enhanced by artificial intelligence technologies. And these articles warned that AI cyber attacks are going to wreak a kind of havoc on the enterprise CIOs and chief information security officers have never seen before. And that the aftermath, well, it's not going to be pretty. Oh, yeah, it's definitely going to happen. Uh, it's just sort of a question of when it's going to happen. That's Jason Hong. He is a security and privacy expert. And his message to CIOs, well, it's a little more measured than the doomsday approach some of the media have taken. In the beginning, he said AI cyber attacks, they aren't going to be particularly smart or clever. Instead, the real threat will be speed and relentlessness. So uh, if you ever read Alice in Wonderland, you might remember the scene with the Red Queen where basically the Red Queen says, well, we have to run faster just to stay in place. And that's essentially what's going to happen, because, you know, as these uh, exploits are faster, you know, as the vulnerabilities are being exploited faster, as data is being exfiltrated faster and so on, you know, you just need better kinds of tools and better kinds of techniques to prevent as well as to detect those kinds of attacks. Okay, so we're going to get to AI cyber attacks. It's just that we're going to do so in a kind of roundabout way. What I first want to do is introduce Hong to you a little bit more because some of the research he's doing could help you shore up those common weaknesses that currently exist within your security fabrics. These are weaknesses that will no doubt be preyed upon by AI cyber attackers. Okay, so Hong is a co-founder of Wombat Security Technologies, which specializes in cybersecurity training as a service. And he's also an associate professor in the School of Computer Science at Carnegie Mellon University. There, his research focus is in an area called usable privacy and security. The short way of describing it is that how do we make privacy and security easy enough so that you don't need a PhD in computer science to actually be effective in protecting yourself your family, and also your employees. All of the research he does is housed within CMU's Human Computer Interaction Institute, which essentially looks at how people and machines can work together and how to improve things like usability, for example. And he's working with psychologists and computer scientists and designers to pioneer an area of research called social cybersecurity. Yeah, so the the original name we had for the project was social security, but you can easily see why we didn't choose that one. This isn't quite how he explained it. It's definitely my take on it. But social cybersecurity uses peer pressure to educate users, to encourage changes in their cybersecurity behavior, all for the better. Hong said his work is grounded in social psychology. And this is a field of study that looks at how people influence one another. And he's taking that field of study and he's applying it to the field of cybersecurity. So one of the techniques he's experimenting with is this thing called social proof. 
which is people tend to do what everybody around them is also doing too. So this is a very basic way of explaining it. When you get off a plane, how do you decide what direction to go in? Do you go left? Do you go right? The, the simple heuristic is just follow where everybody else is going, and you'll probably be going in the right direction. Hong and his team took this social proof experiment to Facebook. Every year, the social media company launches a cybersecurity campaign, and they do things like push out messages to users that say, extra security settings exist, click here to learn more. So Hong and his team had a PhD intern rewrite those messages to include language like, 100 of your friends are using extra security measures, or 10% of your friends are using extra security measures. And we found out that that actually, that's a really simple change, but it it did improve the click-through rates and adoption of some of these security settings. And so it's basic idea here is that it's a very subtle but powerful way of influencing people's awareness, knowledge, and motivation to be secure. Hong believes social proofs can be used in the enterprise, can go head-to-head with common security headaches, and do things like spur employees to adopt two-factor authentication or update their software correctly or Think about stronger passwords just by letting them know how many people around them have strong passwords. And this is actually one of the big problems that we've seen with respect to cybersecurity is that it's pretty invisible. And because it's invisible, it's hard for people to adopt better practices. Okay, so let's get back to AI cyber attacks, because in addition to preventive measures like these, Hong has a pulse on how cyber criminals are using or if they're using AI in cyber attacks. And this is where there's a bit of good news for you, because the answer is... Not really. Uh, Most attacks don't directly use these artificial intelligence and machine learning techniques right now. Hong said that attackers are still relying on these mass attacks to look for common vulnerabilities or ways to exploit lots of computers, or the cyber attacks are targeted. So they're using similar techniques, but looking for rare vulnerabilities or targeting specific individuals inside of an organization. But this is where the other shoe is about to drop. Now, having said that, there are some tools that the hackers will use uh, that do use artificial intelligence techniques. So cyber criminals aren't using AI directly, but they are using AI indirectly. So, for example, they might use the Google search engine to try to find uh, openings or common vulnerabilities inside of websites or just to figure out who works at your company. So this is a very indirect use of the artificial intelligence techniques because Google uses a lot of those kinds of techniques inside of their search engines. It's a way of saying CIOs can't sit idle because AI cyber attacks are here to a certain degree and they're only going to become more advanced. Hong said initial AI cyber attacks aren't going to look or feel new. So the types of techniques and the kinds of attacks you're familiar with, be it malware, be it phishing, be it drive-by download, they will continue. But AI is going to give them a kind of super fuel to find cracks and exploit weaknesses in your security programs faster, much, much faster, as well as require less resources to get that job done. So it used to take maybe a week after a patch came out for, you know, attacker to reverse engineer it and figure out how to release an exploit. But nowadays, you know, they can probably do it in a day or less because the tools are getting better. And so you can even imagine maybe they'll become even faster, like on the order of, you know, minutes. Um, Same thing with exfiltrating data and trying to find interesting things. Um, Also, better kinds of uh, automated attacks. Soon enough, AI cyber attacks 
will start to get a little more sophisticated, but it will be a kind of sophistication that exists within the confines of AI today. And Hong was very clear about this. He said, AI is good at repetitive and predictable tasks, but is not good at human-like behavior. So you can imagine that uh, you could create a, a special kind of search engine that looks for the known employees that are working at your company, and they can use this by scanning in LinkedIn and looking at your website, and then also generating keywords for each of those employees based on things that they might be interested in, and then just automating the whole messages, so sending out fake phishing emails too. Again, this, what I just described, that kind of phishing attack, it's very manual today, and you know you have a human in the loop, they'll be using some tools, but you can imagine trying to automate that process, and you probably use a lot of these kind of relatively simple AI techniques to do that. Like injecting bad data into a system so that the system then makes a bad recommendation. Again, this isn't new. You've already seen this kind of technique in practice with spammers coming up with ways to trick spam filter algorithms. The spammers were basically just grabbing a few words in the dictionary and trying to poison people's spam filters. By padding their emails with words that aren't normally associated with spam, spammers could sometimes get their junk email through the filter. Or they could actually poison the filter algorithm altogether. And they do this by tricking or teaching the algorithm to believe that non-spam words are actually spam. If you trained your spam filter on these emails that have lots of legitimate words inside of it, then your spam filter starts having worse performance. It's not unlike Gresham's Law. Basically, it's called bad money drives out the good. So this is back in the day when people used coins that were made out of real gold or silver, but sometimes people would put uh, cheaper materials inside of it, but then people started hoarding the legitimate coins that were all gold or all silver rather than sort of these hybrid coins. The same is true for bad data, he said. So bad data will drive out the good data because it just sort of makes your good data not as effective. There are steps you can take to protect yourself and your company from these kinds of attacks. It depends on what specific domain your company is working in. But, you know, uh, there's still some relatively simple things, like if you're using user-generated content and you're relying on that, make sure you have usernames or you're recording the IP addresses, because that way you can filter out bad data after the fact, because usually they'll be clustered together. So it'll be just a few usernames that are giving you the bad data. Or you can introduce thresholds. You know, if you only have a few instances of the bad data, you might just ignore it. Uh, and then basically what that means is you're trying to raise the amount of work the attacker has to do to compromise your system. So it's basically an economic argument, which is that, yeah, eventually the attackers probably will be able to compromise your system with bad data, but it's just going to cost them a lot more in terms of time and money to do that. And so they might just look for easier targets. Finally, Hong said, the last thing you can do is... To make sure you have a human in the loop. If you're going to automate systems, you want to also be sure that as you're adding new data into the systems... Some of it is verified to reduce the potential for false positives. So AI cyber attacks aren't a strange new world. They're an extension of the kinds of attacks you're already familiar with. In fact, one of the best pieces of advice Hong gave was that you should keep doing what you're doing, but do it better. To protect yourself today, you know, all the simple basic things still apply it's just that you need to be better about enforcing those and making sure that the employees are following them. So, you know, most security attacks are still pretty basic. So, you know, the attackers will be trying to guess passwords, so passwords that are very popular and uh, that are used often, or weak passwords, or because an employee is reusing important passwords. So, you know, that's not, not going to ever change. 
Uh, it might also be an old vulnerability that hasn't been patched. Uh, there's a lot of studies showing that uh, most of these exploits are actually over a year old, and so this just means that people haven't updated their software. Uh, so that, that's just sort of like a window of opportunity for where attackers with better tools will be able to exploit them much faster. Or people just leaving their laptops in the car. So, you know, all of these same things are still going to exist, but, you know, with these new kinds of AI techniques, they'll just be, the attackers will be just a little bit better at exploiting those. Rather than a tap-down approach for stronger passwords, maybe it's time to introduce the enterprise to social cybersecurity. Next time on Schooled in AI. And so what I think will happen in kind of future computing interfaces is we'll see an increasing blend of different modalities, what's called multimodal input. I'm talking to Chris Harrison about the future of the user interface. <laughs>